Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In just a few moments, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Me Too movement. We're also going to be talking about all sorts of different things. Dr. Lieberman is going to join us here in a broadcast. Got a dialer on the horn, as they say. We'll be finding her on Skype Audio. Hopefully. Maybe. <laughs> it's a Connexus. Maybe. Hello. Hello, Doctor. How are you? It's James Lowe calling you for your radio interview. How are you, my friend? Hi there, I'm good. How are you? Pretty good, actually. We have got a great guest joining us today here on our big program, and uh, she is fantastic. She is a uh, just amazing. She's done all sorts of different things. Board-certified psychiatrist, internationally renowned as the terrorist therapist. Since 9-11, Dr. Lieberman has been helping families keep calm and carry on the face of terrorism. She's got a fantastic, fantastic book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror she has also uh, got a fantastic website uh, expert witness forensic psychiatrist.com she joins us today here on our big program well uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the different news uh going on i want to first of all start with uh, this shooter um the synagogue massacre that took place give us uh, your thoughts and feelings on this well first of all of course it was incredibly tragic um and it is sad to think that, you know, we no sooner had we been done with the pipe bomber. I mean, there, there was hardly a time to take a breath in between the pipe bombs and the synagogue shooter. And um, at the at very basic level, what it shows is that there are a lot of people with mental illness in this country, well, all over the world for that matter, but there are a lot of people in this country who have very significant mental problems who are not getting treated. Now, the um, pipe bomber um, was, you know, he actually has a more serious and typical kind of mental illness. Uh, I've been sort of uh, trying to figure out whether it's paranoid schizophrenia or uh, manic depressive illness, also called bipolar, um, because a lot of what he was doing with the, with the, I mean, or there's actually a combination of the two um, schizoaffective schizophrenia, which kind of combines the two. But this pro- these problems, these mental problems, uh, his family noted when he was younger, actually from the time at least that he was a young teen, and um, and his father left. His father was Filipino, and he returned to the Philippines, abandoned him, and that's when the family started noticing that he had these more serious problems. Now, 
Why they didn't get him into treatment um, when he was a young teenager, the, you know, so far what I've been reading about is that uh, he just didn't want to go. Well, when you have a young teenager and he doesn't want to go to get mental health treatment and you see that he has various problems, um, you don't take no for an answer. We've got a, a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast here on The Mix, and uh, Carol Lieberman joins us. Um, now, how could this this shooting have been stopped? Uh, could, could this have been stopped at all, Carol? Well, you're talking about uh, now the synagogue shooter. Yes. Um well, I mean, you know, everyone, so far everyone who's been interviewed says that he was such a, um, a, a plain man. I mean, they didn't recognize that he had all this hate in him, that he had all these guns that he was carrying around and so on. He did make quite evident what his feelings were, however, on the, um, the social media platform Gap, and he called himself one dingo. You know, a dingo is a wild dog, a feral dog. So he was trying to give people warnings, and he had a lot of anti-Semitic. Uh, all his posts pretty much were anti-Semitic. So if people were watching that, they might have, uh, you know, sent someone out to talk with him. But that website, or that which I, I understand is being taken down or maybe taken down, uh, and for how long, I don't know, because it is kind of freedom of speech. But in any case, um, if, you know, people were watching that and um, particularly, well, particularly his last post when he said that he was going in, um, you know, of course, at that point, it was a little late to find him if they hadn't been tracing him already. But, you know, these are people who weren't a, both the the pipe bomber um and the synagogue shooter were people who, uh, besides having mental illness or because of having mental illness, they weren't really able to be very successful in life, and they were loners, and they felt sort of left out um, and didn't get the American dream, and that is very typical of the type of person who then becomes a domestic terrorist. And um, that's what each of these people were essentially doing. So... um, you know, one of the things that that really uh, must be said, though, is that when um, the pipe bomber was caught and um, they saw all his details and so on, and um, you know, they blamed the whole thing on Trump that he was a Trump fan, and apparently he sort of um, glummed onto Trump as the father figure he didn't have, and okay, but Trump never told him to go out and do these things. But then uh, the man who shot up the synagogue, they're blaming that on Trump as well, even though he didn't like Trump. So, um, so you know, this, this whole, and, and yet everyone is talking about how what we need to do to stop all of these things is to uh, calm down the rhetoric and um, everybody love each other and sing kumbaya and all that, which would be very nice. But um, but at the same time, and they want to blame Trump for keeping up the rhetoric, and yet at the same time, you know, we have all the uh, what Trump calls fake news um, doing that as well. I mean, you know, you, you on the radio, on television, everyone is, while they're saying to t- tone it down, they're, they're still putting in their two cents about, you know, who they think is to blame and why they're to blame and all of that. So it's not toning anything down. 
We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast, Carol Lieberman. And uh, she joins us today talking a little bit about uh, the synagogue shooting. Also, uh, we talked, uh, we touched a little bit on the uh, on the pipe bomber uh, that, that was, uh, I guess, realistically, uh, last week's news. Um, this week's news, of course, is this uh, synagogue shooting um, from a... From a uh, Medical perspective, um, what, what, what do you make of these two cases? Well, I mean, one thing it points out, and we've seen this, of course, in other, many other cases. I mean, for example, the Parkland High School shooter. Um, so many of these people, even in the case of the synagogue shooter, uh, where people said, oh, they didn't notice anything. I mean, these were sort of neighbors, but... Um, he was living with his grandfather for a while who died. I mean, the, the thing is, people, I don't expect everybody to be a psychiatrist, but um, certainly people can, can work to try to get these people, work harder to get these people into the attention of mental health professionals. And it's just showing that, I mean, you know, I mentioned Parkland because, um, I mean, even what I was saying about the pipe bomber, um, that uh, that the, these problems were noticeable. In most cases, the problems were noticeable or are noticeable if you look closely enough. Um, and and people need to get into treatment. And that's that's really you know that's I mean of course the um, the synagogue shooter. Um, is more sort of a common garden variety um, bigot uh, rather than having, I don't know that he, I'm not saying that he necessarily has schizophrenia or manic depressive illness um, or anything super, any any, um, psychosis, any serious mental illness, but clearly things happened in his life that he blames on the Jews. I mean, the, the number one thing right now that, precipitated uh, the shooting this weekend was um, that he believed, well, and it was true, that this organization um, was a Jewish organization, was trying to help, has been for years, not just recently, but has been for years, trying to help refugees come into the country because uh, it started by helping Jewish refugees come into the country many years ago. And they've continued trying to help people to come into the country just because um, of caring about them, you know, and identifying with them and so on. And he did not want this caravan, I mean, that was the precipitating factor, he did not want this caravan of migrants um, coming into the country, and here was this Jewish organization helping them, and particularly in in partnership with synagogues, including the Tree of Life, um, around where he lived, around Pittsburgh. So... So that was the thing that tr- triggered him, the, uh, the immediate trigger. But really, he has been an anti-Semite for a lot longer than uh, this migrant problem. So, you know, there is always some trigger um, that, that ultimately brings these people out to do something more violent. And, yes, so the key would be trying to stop them <laughs> before, before the tr- a trigger comes that makes them act out. 
We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast here on The Mix, Carol Lieberman. And uh, we are talking a little bit about uh, some current news and uh, different things of that nature. Now, one, one of the things that you're also uh, involved in and have been involved in is uh, you've been going on radio and television talking about the Me Too movement. Um Give us, give us uh, what, what, what your reaction to this movement and, and some of the different things as we hear about sexual harassment more in the workplace and online and everywhere else. Well, switching hats to my forensic psychiatrist hat, <laughs> um, expert witness, I have testified, I've been doing this work for over 20 years as an expert witness, and I have testified in countless sexual harassment cases on both sides. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, there, I mean, there is such a thing as sexual harassment. It does exist. And, you know, um, uh, typically it's the men who are the harassers and women are getting harassed, although there are also male victims, uh, either of women perpetrators or of men perpetrators. Um, and, um, you know, what I found in doing so many of these cases is that you can't just believe a woman or a victim. Let's just talk about women right now. You can't, I mean, you can't just believe a male victim either. You can't believe any victim. That's what the courts are for. And that's why they use expert witnesses to study the person, to do a psychiatric evaluation of the person, and to figure out exactly what was going on. So, Although, um, certainly, you know, there have been many cases where there was indeed a male, a man sexually harassing a woman, and the woman was right, and she had um, different things that she was able to show uh, for why that did happen, and to show the emotional distress that it caused. But there have also been many cases where the women were either lying for monetary gain, you know, it's called malingering. Uh, they have some secondary gain that they want. Typically, it's money. Or um, it can be cases where the woman um, had a, was having a consensual relationship with the man and um, expected him to leave his wife and for them to go off into the sunset together. And uh, and he didn't. And when he didn't, all of a sudden, she cries sexual harassment. So that's one example. Another example, and um, this one I think was very much at work in the Kavanaugh case. Um, another example is when women aren't lying per se, but they were sexually abused in their past, just not by the man who they're um, claiming abused them. Now, sometimes it is lying. They, they are aware that um, they were sexually abused in the past. They may not be aware that they are projecting this onto the man but, uh, to, who, they're, who they're claiming sexually harassed them, but, um, but that is often the case. So sometimes it's unconscious that they really do think that um, the man, what the man did rose to the occasion or rose to the level of being sexual harassment or rape or whatever. Um, but uh, oftentimes it is or can be that they that it's a previous man who um, who molested them, who raped them, and they in their mind um, have projected that unconsciously onto this current man. So it's really a complex thing. But the the main pro issue with with Kavanaugh was that I was appalled 
that um, just because a woman came out and said that such and such happened, which uh, in her case I believe it was a previous uh, man who who did sexually abuse her in some way, um, but just because a woman, any woman, um, says that a man did this to her, that the whole <laughs> she has the whole Senate and the world. Um, listening to every word. I mean, if she would have claimed that um, and gone to a lawyer and claimed that, there would be a law if the lawyer thought that there was enough reason to believe her, which he might not well not have. Um, I mean, if it wasn't this big, you know, political issue. Um, if it was just a run-of-the-mill woman who came to him, uh, to a lawyer, with this much evidence, um, many lawyers wouldn't even take the case. But for those who would, then that would proceed like a normal case where you file a complaint, um, the, the, the man gets a lawyer and he files an answer to the complaint, there are, sexual, there are, there are psychiatric expert witnesses on both sides, discovery to look for evidence and so on and it goes like a normal and there's a jury in the end you know it goes before a judge and a jury and the whole case is brought out you know over weeks these cases take weeks not you know sitting in in the senate for um a day or two with the whole thing um, because, and and it, it, it was just appalling that, like, you know, it's so ironic. He's supposed to be, it's about who's going to get on the Supreme Court when what they did actually showed, you don't need courts. What do you need courts for? You can just say that somebody did something to you and everybody's going to listen to it. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast, Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is amazing, and she is giving us a lot of great insight on this topic, uh, the Me Too movement. Now, um, you have uh, been involved in talking about this on radio and television. Um, what's been the reaction to uh, when, when, when you say some of the different things that you say? Well, what's kind of the critiques or, or feedback you've gotten? Well, a lot of women are surprised, um, you know, to hear a woman saying this. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and angry. I mean, I've had a lot of, um, I've had a lot of, uh, what, um, energetic <laughs> debates, shall we say. A lot of women who were, got angry at the idea that I would bring up that there's any other possibility to these things other than, you know, it's just women who are oppressed by men. Um, I mean, not to say that, I mean, yes, things like wage differences are real and, and rape is real um, and, and sexual harassment is real, just not in all cases and not just because a woman says so. That, that's the point. Um, it all needs to be investigated. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, I mean, there are a lot of angry women out there. <laughs> I was doing one interview. Um, I think it was on uh, CNN, where I don't remember the name of the woman who was uh, arguing with me. But finally, I just had to stop, and I said, you know, you're a very angry woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more to be said. And at that point, she, whatever I said, she was just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know... It, it was just, and and it's hard over the radio to get the full view of this, but just her face, you know, she was she was having uh, she was 
going to have a stroke right there on television. I mean, you know, not to make, I don't want to make light of this, but I don't think that anything much is gained by being so angry and not being willing to um, talk about all sides of this. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast, Carol Lieberman. Now, uh, Carol, uh, as we go, my friend, uh, where can people find you online and pick up your books and get involved with you? Well, I know you, you gave out my um, expert witness um website. Yes. My you know, you and you mentioned that I am have a well, my book is Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My. Yes. How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And um, you can, I have become the terrorist therapist since 9-11. That is my um, passion, helping people, helping families keep calm in a time of terror. And, um, and, and you know, terrorism, I mean, we've seen in these two cases, the pipe bomber and the synagogue bomber, in a sense, um, those are two types of domestic terrorists, and I write about that in my book as well. But this is the first, um, first and only book about terrorism for children. Uh, it describes terrorism in a very child-friendly kind of way, without making them scared, and that in a picture book for the kids. Yes. And um, the first half of the book is for grown-ups, for parents and teachers and therapists. Uh, to read how to talk to kids about terrorism, you know, and that includes the kinds of things like uh, the pipe bomber and the synagogue shooter, uh, because, as I said, those are a kind of domestic terrorist. Um, and so it really is children are, well, families, people are, people are under so much stress these days, uh, you know, and uh, from all these different forms of terrorism, even school shooters can be considered a kind of terrorism uh, as well because they their aim is to create terror. So we are, I mean, we are really suffering. I mean, it's no wonder that there are more people acting out with their mental illness because there's been so much stress on us, so much, you know, you, you can't hear... You can't turn on the re- on the media in any way without hearing people arguing with each other, and I guess I guess um, you know I I brought that out as well. But I try to get, as a psychiatrist, I try to give people insights into things, and because because that is a big factor in helping people calm down. If you whether it's understanding why the terrorists do what they do, I talk about that in my book. Um, understanding the reactions, I talk about different reactions that that grown-ups and kids have to hearing about terrorism all the time in the media and seeing the attacks and, and so on, hearing about the attacks um, and about trials and about, you know, all kinds of things going on related to terrorism. And we are, you know, there's no doubt that we're having emotional reactions to this, even though people want to sort of deny it and think, oh, well, you know, nothing like 9-11 is going to happen again. And, um, and of course, it is happening, and it will be happening, continue to be happening. I was just reading this morning about an ad that ISIS is putting out with a picture of a man with a knife. His back is turned to, to, towards the camera, um, but you see him with a knife, and uh, he's at a concert. 
and the the article was about how uh, ISIS is trying to perpetrate lone wolves, and they're you know they're they're trying to hit people who are mentally ill. People who are mentally ill are more vulnerable to getting uh, worked up and joining ISIS, joining you know. Um, acting out on being lone wolves because you don't have to. Yes. <laughs> you don't have meetings. Um, you know, you don't have to go to ISIS meetings. You can just be influenced by them and create these acts of terror on your own. So these things aren't going away, unfortunately. Well, Carol, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on our broadcast, my friend. I really did appreciate the uh, time you took and uh, the effort and everything. And uh, thanks for being with us. Look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. There goes Carol Lieberman on Skype Audio. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we have got more coming up. It is the Sunday Radio Broadcast, The Mix, on Tuesdays. I guess this would be kind of considered the Tuesday Radio Show. Yes, yes, it would be considered the Tuesday Radio Show. We've got more coming up. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.